0: Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Sallallahu wa sallam ala Sayyidina Muhammad Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam I'm just going to start with going to start with inshallah a simple um, salah on the Prophet sallallahu Alaihi wa sallam maybe we'll see so uh, you can just say to yourself I and mean, I'll just say it out loud Allahumma salli ala sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi sallam. اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى You وصحبه وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد say, Yidina وصحبه وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا say, Yidina آله وصحبه وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه them. اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد say, Yidina وصحبه وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد he آله صحبه وسلم صلاة تنجينا بها من جميع الأهوال والآفات وتقديلنا بها جميع الحاجات وتطاهرنا بها من جميع السيئات وترفعنا بها عندك على الدرجات وتبلغنا بها أكثر غيات من جميع الخيرات في الحياة وبعد الممات اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد بن قنوب ودوائها وعافية الأبدان والشفائها ونور الأبصار وضيائها وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم بسم الله قال المصنف رحمه الله تعالى ونفر الله إياه بعلمه في الدارين أمين وأكدت زهده فيها ضرورته إن الضرورة لا تعدو عن العصمين Wakaifeta du ila dunya doru rutu doru ratumen lahu lam tehruji dunya mean al ademi. So he said his neediness, his dire neediness, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Only strengthened his detachment Neediness like his never leads to transgression How could need tempt him with worldliness When but for him the whole world would not have emerged from non-existence When but for him the whole world would not have emerged from non-existence So what is being said The commentator rahimahullah ta'ala he says Sayyidina ibn Ajiba The author, may Allah have mercy upon him, says One of the things that will confirm for you the Prophet's renunciation and exalted aspiration Is the fact that outwardly he was in need of taking from the world Yet he did not turn to it or allow his lofty aspiration to become attached to it Despite the fact that having a need for something typically gives rise to avidness and longing for that thing this shows that the prophet's renunciation sallallahu alaihi was from choice. For the world was brought to him lock, stock and barrel, and kings out of their awe for him lavished him with gifts and war spoils were brought to him. Yet despite all of that he would spend the night in hunger and passed away with his armor mortgaged to him. <clears throat> So I believe uh, Yeah, the last verse we had Was the one which says Lofty mountains tried to tempt him with turning to gold But he showed them the height of his own loftiness Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam So the mountains they offered to be turned to gold To be given to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi wa sallam And he showed them what a true mountain is Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam now, this is continuing on this theme and saying that, you know, his, his neediness, normally when someone's in need, that increases their attachment, right, to worldly things in a sense. Like when you're not in a state of need or fear, it's easier to be kind of like generous, kind of detached from worldly concerns because your worldly concerns are essentially taken care of. But usually when the concerns are greater Then that would lead to a higher level of detachment But here in the case of the Prophet His need actually only increased him In his detachment Because a neediness like his Will never lead to transgression Um, It will never It it can't it, It can't overcome the protection that Allah has given him, subhanahu wa ta'ala, from, from being committed to these things. And yet when he didn't have all of these worldly uh, gifts and support and everything else, he turned away from it. When he had an opportunity to take it, he had no interest in it in interest in it. And he preferred to keep his sight On Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala For the world is contemptible In the sight of Allah And so whoever's gra- attitude towards the world Corresponds to how it is considered in Allah's sight Allah will love and prefer that person The Prophet sallallahu wa sallam said If in the sight of Allah The world equaled the weight of a gnat's wing He would not have given a disbeliever A single sip of water mm. So this gives you the state of the world. And I think I mentioned this last week but just um to reiterate, you know, one of the ways to lessen our attachment to the world is to look at it less. Is to really lower our gaze from it. It may not have been last week, but I think in the past and you know, subhanAllah, one of the things that they said about Shaykh Rayyan, Allah yirhamu, was that he used to always look at the ground a lot, which is one of the descriptions of the Prophet Wasallam. right? Is that he would be constant in his looking at the ground. They asked Shaykh Rayyan, why is he always looking at the ground? And um, one of the things that basically he was saying is that when you... You know, the quality of the believer is that they're cons- they, they only busy themselves with wi- that which is of concern to them. And when you're looking around a lot, he said, then inevitably you will pass judgment on a lot of things without even really thinking about it. So you might look at someone, you don't really think about it very much, but you think to yourself, that person's short, or that person's tall, or that person's a little bit overweight. Or that person's a little bit underweight. Or that person, their clothes is whack. And that person, their clothes is nice. And whatever it might be. But inevitably, you will pass judgments on creation. And so, what he was telling the, the students is that, you know, it's better to just not see it. Then you don't have to worry about passing judgment on it. And, you know, this is kind of like, Sometimes it, with social media, one of the one of the pitfalls, I mean, I, I stay on because there's many benefits, but one of the pitfalls is the Prophet ﷺ, he used to tell his companions not to relay things to him about other people, especially if he doesn't need to know them, you know. And um, what he said is that, I want to meet people wa salim as-sadr. Wa salimus sadr, and I am clean-hearted towards them. I don't have anything, you know. I just, I'm just meeting them, and I can meet them open-hearted. So sometimes, like when stuff is online, everything is online. Then, you know, you see things that make it harder to be open-hearted towards people sometimes. And I'm sure that goes that 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 goes both ways. Allah help us. The Prophet ﷺ knew the reality of the world And its meanness in the sight of Allah Because Allah Most High said The life of the world is but play and jest And he said "Subhanah, The example of the life of this world Is but like rain that we send down from the sky Qadi ibn al-Arabi said the following Qadi ibn al-Arabi is different than Sheikh al-Akbar ibn al-Arabi Qadi ibn al-Arabi Qadi ibn al-Arabi Is the Maliki Qadi and scholar uh, I believe of Andalus Which doesn't help in the case of Ibn al-Arabi Because he was also from Andalus and his asl But he's Muhyiddin And this is Abu Bakr So Qadi is Abu Bakr ibn al-Arabi radiallahu taala anhu, Who said There are several benefits found in likening the world to rain. So the verse says that the example of the life of this world is but like rain that we send down from the sky. So he said, there are several benefits found in likening the world to rain. The first is that rain does not come down through stratagem, and likewise with the world, for it is only gained through apportioning. Allah Most High says, we apportioned for them their livelihood. The second benefit lies in the fact that rain comes down on account of begging, longing, and fervent prayer. Likewise, the world and its provisions are obtained through longing and supplication. The third benefit is that in one place rain is a cause of life, and in another place it is a cause of destruction. Likewise with wealth. For the one who deserves it, wealth is a cause of obedience, and he spends it for the sake of good. But for the one who does not deserve it, wealth is a cause of destruction and transgression. And he spends it on different types of disobedience. The fourth benefit is that rain is beneficial when it comes down in a measure that is needed, but harmful when it comes down more than needed. Likewise with wealth. If it is enough for one's needs, it is beneficial and pleasurable for him. And if it exceeds that, it harms him and he transgresses the limits with it, and may neglect its rights that are due upon him, or spend extravagantly on his desires. So all of these possibilities are there uh for the rain and the way that it comes down and the way that it comes down uh, so this is again related to the nature of this world and the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and his attachment um his detachment from this world sallallahu alaihi wa sallam mm Um Now The second half is more complicated Which says how could need tempt him when worldliness when but for him the world would not have emerged from non-existence what does that mean if it wasn't for the Prophet sallallahu would send them the world would not have emerged from non-existence what does that mean so I'm going to read what he says here and maybe we'll just take it from there this is a reference to the idea of the Muhammadan light the Muhammadan light, or the Muhammadan reality, al-haqiqah and Muhammadiyah, and this is a topic that was talked about by many of the scholars, and it's a topic that has some level of disputation surrounding it, because many of the ahadith that are talked about in this regard are questionable, and so you know there's a lot of debate that that revolves around this. Uh, but if we don't bring it up Then we can't understand what the author meant Regardless of whether or not One takes a position that they agree It's not a, it's not an issue of like um, Salvation You know what I mean If one doesn't feel comfortable with this You know Alhamdulillah But um, He brings a long narration here that He attributes to Sayyidina Ali Radiallahu ta'ala anhu um, so I'm just going to read it because there's not really any way around it Okay, our master Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu ta'ala anhu said when Allah Most High willed to create the cosmos, spread humanity and originate the marvels of existence he arranged the creation into images like fine dust dust particles haba, before outstretching the earth and erecting the heavens and he was singular in his sovereignty and one in his dominion then he prepared a light from his light and a portion of it shone and radiated. And that light gathered in the midst of the subtle images, sur, and joined with the image of our Prophet Muhammad wasallam. So he spread humanity as these particles of dust. And he took a light from his light. And that light mixed with, went went to all of these pieces of dust. And the one that was the image of the Prophet ﷺ, it connected with that one. Allah said, Exalted and sublime is He. You are the chosen and elect. You are the repository of my light and the treasure of my guidance. It is for your sake that I shall spread out the earth, mix the waters, erect the heavens, and create reward and punishment, and the f- paradise and hellfire. Then Allah concealed His creation in His unseen and withdrew it in His hidden knowledge. Then he erected the world, spread out time, mixed the waters, set into motion the ocean's foam, and drove the winds. Next, he set his throne upon the water and outstretched the earth upon the water's surface. Then he called it to obedience, and it responded with submission. Then he created the angels from light that he formed and connected his unicity with the prophet Muhammad with the prophethood of Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Thus his prophethood was attested to in the heavens before he was sent to the earth. When Allah created Adam, Adam's virtue was made clear to the angels, and Allah had shown them the unique favors granted to him from his pre-eternal knowledge, instructing him in the names of things after he made him a prophet. Allah made Adam a niche, a mihrab, a Kaaba, a door, and a qibla, to which the pious and spiritual beings and lights all prostrated. Then Allah informed Adam of what was deposited in him and disclosed the immensity of the trust he was made to bear, after having disclosed the immense uh, after having named him an Imam in the presence of his angels. The Prophet Muhammad had a portion of this good, half of which was deposited light. Allah continued to conceal this light under the vicissitudes of time until Allah made Muhammad distinct in his own physical form, after which he invited mankind outwardly and inwardly and encouraged them secretly and publicly, and brought to man's attention the pre-eternal covenant that was made in the spiritual realm before the creation of the physical forms. Whoever acknowledges him will have grasped a portion of his primordial light that was prepared and have been guided to his secret and gained clarity as to his manifest stature. But whoever is confounded by heedlessness will be humiliated by Allah's wrath. May Allah be pleased with him and pour out to us from the ocean of his sciences and knowledge. Amin. It should come as no surprise that Ali says this, for he was the gateway to the city of the Prophet's knowledge. Sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa so, I think we'll just leave it there. Um, if you want to look up the Muhammadan light, or the pro, you know, I'm sure you can find all kinds of debate online and um, different opinions and stuff. Probably most of it will be against, but if you look hard enough, I'm sure you can find something for it too. Um, and again, it's a matter that is disputed in Muslim history. Um, I don't want to get too um, too caught up in that. But the idea is that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam on this concept was basically... Like in other narrations that are not mentioned here, the narration in particular that's famous is the narration of Jabir ibn Abdullah رضي الله تعالى where he asked the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi them what was the first thing that was created and he told him nuru Nabiyak. he told him the light of your prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and so this is the idea is that the first thing that was brought into existence was the light of the prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam and everything comes from there um, kind of extends from there wallahu alam and you know if you're interested in that kind of stuff go ahead and look up more if you're not then this is sufficient. Alhamdulillah. Okay. Muhammadun sayyidun kaunaini wa min urbin wa min ajami. Muhammad is the master of both abodes. He is the master of both abodes, of both kinds and both classes of people Arabs and non Arabs. So this is a famous line in the Buddha. مُحَمَّدُونَ سَيِّدُ الْكَوْنَيْنِ وَالثَّقَلَيْنِ وَالْفَرِيقَيْنِ مِنْ عُرْبٍ وَمِنْ ajami. So it's a beautiful line. Um, here after he gives some of the qualities of praising the Prophet he states who he is. That he is the master of the two abodes. And Kaunain, meaning this life and the hereafter. And he's the master of the two kinds. Meaning the human and the jinn, and he's the master of the two categories. Meaning the Arabs and the non-Arabs. عليه عليه. So um, he's the Sayyid. He's the Sayyid of the hereafter and of this life. And um, I think that's that one's pretty pretty clear that he is. He has that rank in this life. He has that rank in the hereafter. He has that rank. And at the same time he's also the master of the humans and the jinns. That he was sent to the humans and the jinns. ليعبدوني, that I didn't send the jinn or the humans except that they worship me. We didn't create them except that they worship me. And Ibn Abbas رضي الله عنهما, he said Ya A What the meaning of worship me means is to know me. To know me and then that worship is a means by which we get to know him subhanahu wa ta'ala so that is uh, that he's the master of the humans and the master of the jinn and there are many um, different incidents related in the life of the Prophet sallallahu Alaihi wa where uh, the Prophet sallallahu Alaihi wa dealt with jinn at some level that they you know uh What is the verse? When it was when some of the jinn were sent to you and they said, "Inna They said, "We've heard an amazing recitation." Ya you know, al-Jinn tells that story. So that the prophets Allah them was sent to the jinn, and the jinn, some of them heard it, and they were like, "Wow, this is amazing." They went to their people, they called them to follow the way of the Prophet Allah. They send them, and they faced what they faced with their people. But in any case, all all throughout it, the Prophet Allah they send is calling the jinn um, to Islam. Uh, there's some interesting stories here About um, Knowledge of the jinn <laughs> Maybe it's a Maybe it's like um, You know, one of those tangents That takes you totally off the Off the deep end um, So maybe it's not Such a good idea But yet the prophet So I Was the master of both he Was the master of both There's a cool narration There's a little bit of debate around it But there's a cool narration of of Ibn Abba, Ibn Mas'ud, Allah when he went with the Prophet, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, one night, where the Prophet told him he's going to go make da'wah to the jinn, like who's going to come with me? And uh, eventually he agreed, and they they go out to this place, and the Prophet, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, draws a circle in the sand, and he tells he tells him you stay you stay in this circle, and no matter what you see or what you hear, you do not leave this circle. And then the Prophet Sallallahu went forward and started to call the jinn and whatever happened happened you know um so he's he's he is the sayyid sallallahu alaihi wasallam he is the sayyid in every way before his message after his message um, of the arabs of the non-arabs of this life of the next life he is a sayyid he is a sayyid he has a siyada he has the rank of leadership over everything sallallahu alaihi wasallam that's why he said And uh, part of his siyada on the day of judgment in the hereafter, his leadership in the hereafter is his intercession. Is his intercession. That's you know, shows how high his rank is on that day, وسلم, That he has this right to intercede on behalf of people from his ummah asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be merciful with them and to forgive them and um, this is what we ask when we make this is so essential that that's what we're asking when we make the adhan Allahumma rabb salatin oh uh, oh Allah the lord of this uh uh this complete call and coming prayer athu sayyidina muhammadan al wasilah al fadilah wa ba'athallahu maqaman mahmuda alladhi wa'ada so give him al wasila and give him um al fadilah and al maqam al mahmud so they say all of these things are kind of related to his intercession sallallahu alaihi wa sallam he said, I am the first intercessor And the first whose intercession shall be accepted And I am the first person For whom the earth shall be cleft On the day of judgment And he said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam I was a prophet when Adam was between clay and water uh, The other one is The one that's stronger actually Is I was, uh, I was a prophet When Adam was between the spirit and body Meaning he wasn't actually Adam yet really And the Prophet وسلم, was a prophet وال... uh, mm. We're going to just finish the section And then we're going to stop for the day Inshallah نَبِيُّنَا الْعَامِرُ فَلَا فِي قَوْلِ لَا مِنْهُ وَلَا نَعَمِ Our Prophet who commands and forbids, none is more true than him in saying yes or no. None is more true than him in saying yes or no. The author, may Allah have mercy upon him after having mentioned the noble name Muhammad, says that our Prophet is of lofty rank and magnificent status in the sight of his Lord. Allah tasked him with prophecy and invested him with revelation and sent him as a warner and giver of glad tidings and as one who commands and forbids. The Prophet them is the commander who conveys from Allah and he is the forbidder, he commands every beautiful deed and forbids every odious statement or action. The odious is what the sacred law declares odious and the good is what the sacred law declares good. This is the position of the majority of Muslim scholarship. That good is what the sacred law declares to be good And bad is what the sacred law declares to be bad Not what I feel is good or bad But what is is in the revelation about that So when the Prophet says no or yes about anything Nothing in existence occurs that contradicts what is indicated in his words That is the essence of his veracity His sidq of of veracity with these words the author wishes to emphasize the veracity of Allah's emissary وسلم, with melody and hyperbolic, hyperbolic form. The truthfulness of Allah's emissary is considered rationally necessary since infallibility is also necessary and his veracity is established. Everything that the Prophet manifested from his purity and dignity to his holiness and lofty aspirations, and from his tremendous character and noble disposition to his intense modesty and sound intellect and judgment, all are nothing less than necessary corollaries of his veracity. Um, What he's kind of like hinting at here is an issue in Aqidah. So in Aqidah, we study what is necessary, possible, and impossible. And specifically, what is ne- what is necessary in relation to God, and what is necessary in relation to the prophets. So you know, if you if this is unfamiliar, then I suggest reviewing Ustad Fuad's courses on Aqida. I think he did one recently. That's probably relatively shorter. Um, I think it was the Creed of Oneness. And um, in there, you will have a conversation on the possible, the impossible, and the necessary. And how that relates to God and His Prophet. As it relates to God, we say that God is necessarily existent. That He is without beginning, without end, without need, without similarity, and without partners. Five attributes of negation. And He is with life, knowledge, will, power, hearing, and sight. And speech, Seven. Those are the necessary attributes of Allah. Meaning, this is you cannot conceive of God as being otherwise. And the prophets also have qualities as well that are necessary: asidq, walamana, are all from, and asma are all from the necessary qualities of the prophets. Meaning that they have to have, sidq, veracity; they have to be absolutely truthful and they have to have amana, which is trustworthiness and they have to have um, um uh, which is they're infallible they don't make you know they don't make mistakes or major sins and stuff like that there's some conversation on it and also some would say that they have fatana they have a natural intelligence so when he's saying here the truthfulness of Allah's Messenger, the infallibility, the veracity, all of these are necessary parts of the, their extensions of the Sidq of the Prophets. And the qualities of negation and attribution when it comes to Allah, they're extensions of His existence. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, I don't know if those are exactly the right words to use for that, but um, inshallah it makes the point. That he is the best of those who say yes and the best of those who say no. Because he is, he is doing that with the utmost manifestation of these qualities that were mentioned. The Prophet was recognized as possessing these character traits during his youth. And after he was tasked with the prophetic message and he was even called the voracious and trustworthy As-Sadiq al amin He promoted and encouraged truthfulness with his statement, Be truthful, for very truthfulness leads to goodness, and goodness leads to paradise. A man will continue to speak the truth and be intent on truthfulness until he has written as a truthful person with Allah. Uh, And in another report, someone asked, O emissary of Allah, can a believer be miserly? The Prophet said, yes. The man asked, can he be a coward? And he said, yes. The man asked, can he be a liar? And the Prophet said, no. So you know that doesn't mean if someone lies they're not a Muslim anymore. It just means that this is not a character trait. This one has a deep conflict with what it means to be a Muslim. A deep, deep conflict. The liar. Due to the immense difficulties and hardships that come with truthfulness, some have said that there is no group among the believers fewer in number, number than the truthful is You may retort, but the implication of the author's words is that when the Prophet ﷺ says yes or no, he does not break his promise. And this includes his threatening order, others with divine punishment. However, it is considered praiseworthy to forego a threat, as the poet said, such and such. Um...
1: So the idea here
0: is that the Prophet them, is the most truthful. Whether he says yes, whether he says no, his word means a lot. You can trust his word. And um, you know it's a word that will be followed through on. And it's a word that is supported by knowledge and supported by action. So the Prophet them, whether it's yes or no, either way, it's truthful. Truthful, May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us such qualities inshallah, Or at least, you know, uh, I would just say, give us those qualities insha'Allah uh, I know that it's a little bit short today But um, I'm not feeling so up to continuing further uh inshallah khair. you know um we uh we turn off the live stream okay so the um yeah you know, I also had some some news today about my aunt she um uh, she's the only surviving sister now of my mother so um found out a couple hours ago that she had a, a, a major stroke in, uh, in Newfoundland so we're trying to just understand you know what the situation is and it's hard you know these medical things are very hard right now under Corona because like you just can't understand things the same way you know you, you can't be there you can't you know Alhamdulillah she was very fortunate in some ways that she wasn't feeling well and she was already in the hospital And she was actually in the, in, in the ER being waited, waiting for admission when she had the stroke, which is, you know, in some ways, uh,